Chapter 49 of the Ontario Reader's Third Book by the Ontario Ministry of Education. Read for LibriVox.org by Tricia G. A Rough Ride by R. D. Blackmore from Lorna Doon. Well, young ones, what be gaping at? Your mare, said I, standing stoutly up, being a tall boy now. I never saw such a beauty, sir. Will you let me have a ride on her? Think thou couldst ride her, lad? She will have no burden but mine. Thou couldst never ride her. Tut! I would be loath to kill thee. Ride her, I cried, with the bravest scorn, for she looked so kind and gentle. There never was a horse upon Exmoor but I could tackle in half an hour. Only I never ride upon saddle. Take those leathers off of her. He looked at me with a dry little whistle, and thrust his hands into his pockets, and so grinned that I could not stand it and Annie laid hold of me in such a way that I was almost mad with her. And he laughed and approved her for doing so. And the worst of all was, he said nothing. Get away, Annie. Do you think I'm a fool, good sir? Only trust me with her, and I will not override her. For that I will go bail, my son. She is liker to override thee. But the ground is soft to fall upon after all this rain. Now come out into the yard, young man, for the sake of your mother's cabbages, and the mellow straw-bed will be softer for thee, since pride must have its fall. I am thy mother's cousin, boy, and I'm going up to the house. Tom Fagus is my name, as everybody knows, and this is my young mare, Winnie. What a fool I must have been not to know it at once! Tom Fagus, the great highwayman, and his young blood mare, the strawberry. Already her fame was noised abroad nearly as much as her master's, and my longing to ride her grew tenfold, but fear came at the back of it. Not that I had the smallest fear of what the mare could do to me, by fair play and horse trickery, but that the glory of sitting upon her seemed to be too great for me, especially as there were rumors abroad that she was not a mare, after all, but a witch. Mr. Fagus gave his mare a wink, and she walked demurely after him, a bright young thing, flowing over with life, yet dropping her soul to a higher one, and led by love to anything, as the manner is of such creatures, when they know what is best for them. Then Winnie trod lightly upon the straw, because it had soft muck under it, and her delicate feet came back again. Up for it still, boy, be ye? Tom Fagus stopped, and the mare stopped there, and they looked at me provokingly. Is she able to leap, sir? There is a good take-off on this side of the brook. Mr. Fagus laughed very quietly, turning round to Winnie so that she might enter into it, and she, for her part, seemed to know exactly where the fun lay. Good tumble-off, you mean, my boy. Well, there can be small harm to thee. I am akin to thy family, and know the substance of their skulls. Let me get up, said I, waxing wroth, for reasons I cannot tell you, because they were too manifold. Take off your saddlebag things. I will try not to squeeze her ribs in, unless she plays nonsense with me. Then Mr. Fagus was up on his mettle at this proud speech of mine, and John Fry was running up all the while, and Bill Dads and half a dozen others. Tom Fagus gave one glance around, and then dropped all regard for me. The high repute of his mare was at stake, and what was my life compared to it? Through my defiance and stupid ways, here I was in a dwello, and my legs not come to their strength yet, and my arms as limp as a herring. 
Something of this occurred to him, even in his wrath with me, for he spoke very softly to the filly, who now could scarcely subdue herself. But she drew in her nostrils and breathed to his breath, and did all she could to answer him. Not too hard, my dear, he said. Let him gently down on the mixen. That will be quite enough. Then he turned the saddle off, and I was up in a moment. She began at first so easily, and pricked her ears so lovingly, and minced about as if pleased to find so light a weight upon her, that I thought she knew I could ride a little, and feared to show any capers. Gee wug, Polly, cried I, for all the men were now looking on, being then at the leaving-off time. Gee wug, Polly, and show what thou beest made of. With that I plugged my heels into her, and Billy Dad's flung his hat up. Nevertheless, she outraged not, though her eyes were frightening Annie, and John Fry took a pick to keep him safe. But she curbed to and fro, with her strong forearms rising like springs ingathered, waiting and quivering grievously, and beginning to sweat about it. Then her master gave a shrill, clear whistle, when her ears were bent towards him, and I felt her form beneath me gathering up like whalebone, and her hind legs coming under her, and I knew that I was in for it. First she reared upright in the air, and struck me full on the nose with her comb, till I bled worse than Robin Snell made me, and then down with her forefeet deep in the straw, and with her hind feet going to heaven. Finding me stick to her still like wax, for my metal was up as hers was, away she flew with me swifter than ever I went before or since, I trow. She drove full head at the cob wall. Oh, Jack, slip off, screamed Annie. Then she turned like light when I thought to crush her, and ground my left knee against it. Dear me, I cried, for my breeches were broken, and short words went the furthest. If you kill me, you shall die with me. Then she took the courtyard gate at a leap, knocking my words between my teeth, and then right over a quick-set hedge, as if the sky were a breath to her, and away for the water meadows, while I lay on her neck like a child and wished I had never been born. Straight away, all in the front of the wind, and scattering clouds around her, all I knew of the speed we made was the frightful flash of her shoulders, and her mane like trees in a tempest. I felt the earth under us rushing away, and the air left far behind us, and my breath came and went, and I prayed to God, and was sorry to be so late of it. All the long swift while, without power of thought, I clung to her crest and shoulders, and was proud of holding on so long, though sure of being beaten. Then in her fury at feeling me still, she rushed at another device for it, and leaped the wide water trough sideways across, to and fro, till no breath was left in me. The hazel boughs took me too hard in the face, and the tall dog-briars got hold of me, and the ache of my back was like crimping a fish, till I longed to give it up, thoroughly beaten, and lie there and die in the cresses. But there came a shrill whistle from up the home hill, where the people had hurried to watch us, and the mare stopped as if with a bullet, then set off for home with the speed of a swallow, and going as smoothly and silently. I never had dreamed of such a delicate motion, fluent and graceful and ambient, soft as the breeze flitting over the flowers, but swift as the summer lightning. I sat up again, but my strength was all spent, and no time left to recover it, and though she rose at our gate like a bird, I tumbled off into the soft mud. "'Well done, lad,' Mr. Fagus said good-naturedly. 
for all were now gathered round me as I rose from the ground, somewhat tottering, and miry and crestfallen, but otherwise none the worse, having fallen upon my head, which is of uncommon substance. Not at all bad work, my boy. We may teach you to ride by and by, I see. I thought not to see you stick on so long. I should have stuck on much longer, sir, if her sides had not been wet. She was so slippery. Boy, thou art right. She hath given many the slip. Ha, ha! Vex not, Jack, that I laugh at thee. She is like a sweetheart to me, and better than any of them be. It would have gone to my heart if thou hadst conquered. None but I can ride my winnie mare. Full many a gem of purest ray serene, The dark unfathomed caves of ocean bear. Full many a flower is born to blush unseen, And wasted sweetness on the desert air. Gray. End of section 49. This recording is in the public domain.